Energy drinks are huge and they're everywhere. And you see all these stimulants in them like caffeine and yerba mate, guarana, green tea. Sometimes they're the same thing and just different names for caffeine. Sometimes they are different stimulants. But when you look at these labels and often they're advertised as containing taurine. What the heck is taurine? Well, it's not taurine. It's, it's taurine or taurine. And I think if you were to ask most people and even most doctors what taurine is, you would just get this look of not really sure. I know it's in a lot of these drinks these days, but is it a stimulant? Is it natural? Is it something that you should avoid, should take? So it's in a lot of energy drinks and supplements, but actually it is found also in meat fish, breast milk, so you're getting it a lot unless you're a vegetarian. But it's also found throughout the body, so it's in your brain and retina and heart and reproductive organs. It's in platelets, it's in neutrophils, it's in your pituitary gland. And if you're a fetus, I don't think many of those listen to my podcast, but if you're a fetus, taurine is actually the highest concentration amino acid in the brain. So as you age, the concentration of taurine decreases as we get older and glutamate levels increase over time. So glutamate becomes the number one amino acid in the adult brain. But actually, when we're fetuses, nothing is there more than taurine as far as amino acids are concerned. And so it's really plentiful in a lot of the foods we eat, if we're not vegetarians, and plentiful in our body. And those of you who speak Spanish know that toro means bull. Um, if you speak Latin or into constellations, Taurus, again, bull. I guess you're going to have to ignore Japanese here. So toro in Japanese is a pale, fatty cut of tuna that's often used in sushi or sashimi. So not much to do with taurine other than, yes, seafood does contain taurine. But the word taurine in English means resembling a bull. And my understanding is the reason we call it taurine is that it was first discovered in ox bile. And this substance is rather interesting. It's an amino acid. You would think we would know a lot about it since it's present throughout our bodies and in our diet. And the truth is, we're rather limited in the data that we have about taurine. So getting back to the energy drinks, because it really is in most of them in pretty darn high quantity. So we're talking about Rockstar and Red Bull and Monster and Full Throttle and Amp and a bunch of others. And you know, if you're just a typical American diet type guy or gal, usually are getting about 150 milligrams of taurine daily in your diet. But if you start drinking these energy drinks for each 8-ounce energy drink, now it depends on the brand, so I'm just going to say on average you're getting about 10 times the amount of taurine supplemented in an energy drink that is normally in the diet. So 10 times more than the average diet other than vegans, and a true vegan really almost no taurine in the diet. Now, if you're a lacto, vegetarian, those kind of things, there will be taurine in your diet. So when you do supplement this and you use it at 
higher dosages than would normally be found in the diet, does it have an effect on your physical performance, on your cognitive performance, or does it hurt you? And I don't think we really know the answers to that at this point. Now, one of the problems with all of performance-enhancing, whether they're drugs, medications, supplements, and again, I think people drink these energy drinks for performance enhancement, sometimes for sports, but sometimes just to get through a call shift. I see doctors drinking this stuff a lot. One of the populations that uses energy drinks way too much is the United States military soldiers. It is very popular in the military to use energy drinks, particularly in times of war. And I live in Colorado Springs. I have a lot of soldiers that not only I take care of, but I'm surrounded by. We have a lot of patriotism and love for our military in Colorado Springs. But that aside, do they work? And so here's the problem when you get to this kind of supplementation is it's very hard to study without confounding factors getting in the way. Um, that's both on an N of 1 trial, when you're looking at yourself, like when you drink a taurine drink, do you really know what the taurine is or isn't doing? Meaning, if you just drink a huge amount of caffeine and glucose and taurine happens to be in it, well, you know, some of these guys, they may be like, yeah, no, man, it totally helps my libido and I'm all sexed up. And well, maybe it's the stimulants in that drink. And in fact, it almost certainly is the stimulants. And then you have a lot of energy drinks, not so much the ones you buy off the shelf, but a lot of the ones that you'll buy for bodybuilding supplementation on websites that have a lot of citrulline, which actually makes arginine in the body, and that becomes a vasodilator, you know, via nitric oxide. So with nitric oxide, think about it. We do have some drugs that help erectile dysfunction that focus on that, right? So an individual's anecdote that they take taurine and they feel great as far as their physical functioning or cognitive functioning, don't trust it. I mean, there's so many other confounding factors, and that, again, is the big problem with supplementation is that a lot of people that are into supplementation are using a lot of different substances, legal, illegal. But the thing is, is when you're having those combinations, it's not only hard to know what the health consequences are because it's a mixture of maybe 10 different things somebody is taking, but more importantly or equal important, you can't really say what is what as far as helping or hurting a performance. Oh, and by the way, Western medicine is no holier than thou in this regard, meaning that you do a study on a drug or a population that's taking a drug, and then you add in 15 other drugs in the real world, you know, prescribed medications, you can't really tell me you know exactly how that drug is interacting with the other drugs and the other conditions that the patient has when you're outside of a study situation. And so all of this stuff is really complex and you just try and get the best provider that you can who's thinking about the stuff and hope that you're making the very best decisions. All right, so for those of you who are listening more for the sports supplementation side so you can turn it off and not listen to my rambling, does it work to help exercise performance? We have had very limited double-blind trials. Don't even look at the ones that 
are not placebo controlled. But of the ones that have been placebo controlled, there was a trial in 2010, and this was titled The Effect of Acute Taurine Ingestion on Endurance Performance and Metabolism in Well-Trained Cyclists. So in that population of well-trained cyclists, they gave it about an hour before exercise, and did it help them? Not in any meaningful way that I can tell, meaning they didn't feel any less subjective exertion, and likewise their time trial performance was no better. Now they got into a little bit that there was a small increase in total fat oxidation during the 90 minute exercise period, but who really knows what that means in the real world? Probably not a whole lot. So then there was another randomized controlled trial, and this was done in 2014. This one was titled Effects of Energy Drink Major Bioactive Compounds on the Performance of Young Adults in Fitness and Cognitive Tests. So this actually was looking at one gram of taurine. I know I say it a few different ways, but taurine is probably the way you're supposed to say it. So this double-blind, placebo-controlled, randomized trial was actually looking at young adult soldiers. It was given 45 minutes before physical fitness and cognitive testing. And in this trial, once again, not much effect as far as improving cardiorespiratory fitness or concentration or immediate memory. Now, some people have proposed that taurine might be helpful in certain neurologic diseases. We may get back to that in a few minutes. So taurine is an amino acid. And I don't really seek it out because it's not used as a structural unit in proteins. That does not mean it doesn't potentially have other therapeutic applications and that some really cool stuff may come out in the future with high supplementation of taurine. It is a rather powerful antioxidant, and some people are using it to hopefully protect against neurotoxic insults from alcohol and other substances for that matter, but I think alcohol more than others. And there actually has been some studies in animals other than humans that show there might be a beneficial effect of using taurine in that situation if you drink a lot. And this antioxidant effect that really is based on some laboratory data where it looks like there is protection against oxidative stress to organs that include the brain. And so people are getting interested in brain diseases and looking at this substance. So I'm going to refer you to the Cleveland Clinic Journal of Medicine, December of 2016, in which they actually do a great review article on taurine. So that's one of the main articles among um, several others that I looked at for this talk. But I'm going to quote them. And what they say in the middle of the article is, furthermore, data in Alzheimer's disease, Huntington's disease, and brain ischemia experimental models show that taurine inhibits neuronal death or apoptosis. Part of that same quote is, taurine has even been proposed as a potential preventative treatment for Alzheimer's dementia as it stabilizes protein conformations to prevent their aggregation and subsequent dysfunction. 
So you can look at those quotes and those references, but they even say that taurine has transiently been shown to have an anti-convulsant effect in some epileptic humans. And that's interesting to me because I always wonder with the stimulant drinks, some people prone to epilepsy can get seizures from stimulants like caffeine and certainly at a minimum lack of sleep can be a trigger for seizures. So it raises the question, if you're going to have stimulants and you're prone to seizures, that one, you probably shouldn't and you should get good sleep and not have stimulants. But some people may not even know that they're about to develop the disease of epilepsy. Is there a protective mechanism of the taurine in these stimulant drinks to protect people from having a seizure? And I have no idea. It's just kind of a little bit of food for thought. It's like asking the question that if you choke a Smurf, what color do they turn? I guess until you actually do it, you'll never really know. And I suspect it's going to be a while before there is an actual trial looking at that, if ever. But stepping back on where taurine might help, may it hurt? And so right now, we don't really know a lot about the safety and harm. So when it has been looked at by certain commissions that look at nutrition, so far, none are reporting that I know of any carcinogenic or teratogenic potential. That doesn't mean it isn't there. It just hasn't been noted as of yet. And nobody is really defining a tolerable upper limit of intake. And that always makes me wonder, who are these people that volunteer to be a test subject to find the tolerable upper limit of intake? We're going to do a study and try to figure out when this substance is toxic to you. Sign up right here, right? It seems like we cause enough accidents without even trying and to purposely find when we are going to cause an accident. You know, I guess that's how actually most humans are made by accidents. But suffice it to say, we don't really know what are the upper limits of taurine ingestion. Now, there was a study for the treatment of myotonia. So this was in the journal called Neurology, and this was done in 1983, and it was just nine patients. But they did say that the chronic treatment of taurine did have improvement in the myotonia. I'm not sure if that was followed up at a later date with a more extensive study. The reason I bring this study up is they gave 10 grams a day for six months. They didn't notice any significant side effects at a 10 gram a day in that small population, small amount of people for six months. Take that for what it is, which probably isn't a whole lot. Now, since taurine declines in humans over our lifespan, it is being looked at in a lot of things, or at least being used by some people for a lot of things, and hopefully will be looked at for a lot of conditions. And this includes even high blood pressure, congestive heart failure, liver diseases, hyperlipidemia, cystic fibrosis. Obviously, I already mentioned some of the neuro disorders that include trying to prevent certain kinds of dementia, but also other neurologic disorders like seizure disorders, autism, ADHD. There are people that are looking at this in regards to eye problems, particularly diseases of the retina. 
And there is logic for some of these disease processes. So when you look at something, let's take something that's very interesting to hospitalists and internal medicine doctors, which is congestive heart failure or blood pressure elevation. So the thought is that taurine might calm the sympathetic nervous system, which for that population can be overactive. And this thinking has actually been going on a while, meaning there was a study, a small study in 1987 in the journal Circulation, and they took 19 young patients with borderline hypertension, and they looked at them in a double-blind, placebo-controlled fashion, and in those receiving the taurine, they did have less plasma epinephrine, and they dropped their blood pressure by a bit. Actually, they dropped their systolic blood pressure by nine points, and so that trial was seven days. And my mind revels in conjecture when information is lacking, so I'll just fill in those gaps with whatever comes to my head. And what comes to my head is that we are dealing with a generic amino acid substance that there is probably not a lot of money to be made by the pharmaceutical industry if it does work or worth putting money into to find out it doesn't work. Nevertheless, as time unravels, I'm sure we will learn more about taurine and who is most likely to benefit or possibly get harmed with this amino acid. So hopefully you learned a little bit about this substance and when you look at a label, you'll have some idea of what it is despite the data being sparse at this moment in time, though as those studies start to trickle out in the future, having a little concept of taurine and what it is in your brain will spark a little bit of interest in at least reading the abstract, right? All right, so this is the end of this lecture with your host, Dr. Gil Parat, doing the Hospital and Internal Medicine Podcast. El saber no acupa lugar. One can never know too much. I will catch you on the next round.